0: hey lover hey lover welcome to our podcast lover's life Mm Hmm. who are we
1: we are the love roots
0: that's us so we usually start the top of the show with a bio bullet point did you bring one for me today
1: yeah so i'm kyla by the way Oh, yeah, and um, Michael, by the way. <laughs> um, you sometimes are a sudden activator of things, like Dahana's artwork project that just got activated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's other words i could use to describe it but that's what came to me right now just like sometimes suddenly you just activate things how do you feel about that
0: yes this is true (laughs) the chinese zodiac says that i am fearless creative and ambitious so i think it's those three qualities sometimes i do i just activate it I do it quick fast and dirty and get the project going so last night I launched well what I was doing was preparing to launch Dahana who also calls herself Tanas and her art name is Tanas so I was It's our child. (laughs) This is one of our children. Um, I was actually preparing to launch her spring pop-up art. Art pop-up. And then it led to just this kind of somebody being like, well, we're not local, so I can't be a patron. So I ended up just like... Hosting an online pop-up for Tannis last night and I mean we did it together and she was excited and I was excited and it led to like a very spontaneous great activation of something that I've wanted to do or in the realm of supporting Tannis's amazing art so, if you want to support Tonis's art, you can go to loveroots.love, our website, and there is a link to Tonis Makes Art, and you can learn all about her art pop up. What? Hey yo! But yeah, thanks for the uh, compliment. I will take it. It's a bullet point as well. And speaking of bullets, I am so excited. <laughs> to talk to you about death that I um that's our topic today and I was so excited to talk to you about death and things around death which also is life and whatnot um I was so excited to talk to you about that, that I moved our podcast time up today. This is what I sound like in the afternoon, <laughs> which is a little bit different than what I sound like in the evening time. You ready to talk about some death, dying, decay, composting, <laughs> yeah,
1: composting.
0: things? I love talking about death. I am a little bit of a shadow sister, dark moon sister. I have like seven years of experience holding um, space for people who have experienced pregnancy loss or infant loss and death It's a very intriguing, awesome topic for me to talk about, so I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned composting. I always think that it's, well, it like sort of, if you say that like in the midst of a conversation and sort of more of like a lighthearted, casual way, like, oh, well, we're all going to compost after we die, like it usually gets kind of like a giggle of some kind. Um, but then, like, on another note, it's interesting that it's not only modern, because also, like, the Egyptians did it. I'm not, I don't, I haven't studied death in so many other past cultures, but, like, there is this thing where, like, most humans, modern, the Egyptians, and whoever else, like, for whatever reason, we don't like the idea of composting into the ground, like, No, like, a a lot of, at least, yeah, and again, I don't know how it's done in other parts of the world, but, like, at least I grew up in a Western country, uh, and semi-rich USA, and I know, like, in most of Europe, as far as I know, they do it similar, but, like, you know, you go into, like, a box, and also they sort of pump you full of chemicals so that you don't decay as quickly, It's, you know, it's sort of like a form of mummification, but not as intense as the way the Egyptians said it. But, um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, it, I don't think no one, like, I've never heard anyone say, oh, yeah, well, the reason why we have our, you know, funeral and, and like, sort of, um, pumping people full of chemicals is because we're like you know we're we don't like the idea of composting like no one's ever framed it to me like that but it's sort of like yeah why why you know, why don't we just we'll throw ourselves into the ground to compost oh
0: oh death oh oh death won't you spare me over for another year oh, oh death oh oh death won't you spare me over for another year i think it's because um yeah we just don't like death we don't like dying we don't celebrate it in the culture as a whole, I have personal experience doing a green burial of my loved one, which did not include any chemicals or um, hiring somebody to take care of my loved one's death. We live in the South where... I'll green. Take care of
1: his dead body yeah if that's another thing is so like we usually
0: like, like pass off that task yeah for and like pay a, a lot of few money days
1: while the whole funeral thing is happening yeah for like three to seven days
0: yeah and we live in the south where under with parameters and legalities in place you can still have a green what's called a green burial in the state of tennessee I don't know the legalities of other states in the United States. Um, but we, I was fortunate enough to live into a, like, live in a state. It's odd. So <laughs> so I took care of the burying of my loved one, which was my son. So I um, had him over seven years ago. And he was still and we took his body home, cared for it, and buried him ourselves, me and my f- previous partner, his father. And people are not used to it. It's definitely outside of the norms. People definitely, like, at the hospital, they did not really know how to... It was clear that it was not their normal protocol, but it was our legal right to take his body with us, care for it, and then bury it. I believe we had to provide proof, however, to somebody that we buried that buried his body in a family cemetery, a registered cemetery, and like a official place that's allowable to bury the dead um and I think that experience of um digging his grave caring for his body and not having a traditional funeral just me and his father buried him and had our own ceremony I was extremely fortunate to have that experience because I got to actually feel the death and lay somebody to rest as excruciating and painful as it was it felt I felt connected to it as far as you know it would have felt less connective if I had hired somebody and for me that wasn't the way so that's one experience i have with death um have you ever had a near death experience lover
1: um let's see here um well I mean, I guess there's two definitions of a near-death experience. Like, so one is where you're sort of just close to death, which is sort of hard to judge in a way. Mm -hmm. And then the other is like when you kind of see the light or have a visit with God and like, you know, and then come back somehow. At least that's what the perception is. Um, so I don't think I ever had a visit with God, but, uh, I guess I was more or less, uh, close, closer to death than usual on a few occasions. Um, I think, uh, let's see here. Well, I had appendicitis, which is sort of like a touch and go type of a thing where like if... It's sort of, you know, as far as I was told, if if it, like, bursts open, then all the poison comes out. It's like, you know, then you could get in pretty serious shape and maybe die. Um, I got, uh, <clears throat> sort of whacked by a skier going probably, like... For- 30 or 40 miles an hour in in the air and not and got a major concussion from it i suppose it could have been close to death
0: did quick question ski hit your head or person hit your head or person well, hit your whole body and yeah. wiped you out okay so whacked to me sounds like <laughs> <laughs> whacked with the ski somehow yeah that, that's true a collision uh, would be like so yeah Okay. I don't
1: need the full story. No, no. Story, I'll cause... just give you this okay. short. So I went over the jump. Uh, the landing was icy, and so I wiped out and whacked my head on the ground. It's possible I already had a concussion from that because, like, I blacked out for like a few seconds and was seeing stars. And so like, and then I pulled myself up as soon as I was standing up and felt sturdy. That very second, someone else came off the jump and whacked me with his skis right in the head. And then I was knocked out for like 30 seconds, apparently. My friend at that point like was able to come back up to me and like my pole was bent and like I wasn't able to answer basic questions like my phone number and what teacher I had in school and all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, and then I got taken to a hospital and stayed there for like four days and was diagnosed with a major concussion.
0: You saw some death stars. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then the only other time I was hit by a car from behind while riding a bicycle and got projected into the air. Like, as soon as the car hit me, it like flew me over the handlebars. And then I (laughs) crashed into another parked car. Like, my body just... (laughs) crashed into it and then I was knocked out for well maybe like a minute or two I woke up and then some cops and cop lights were there and so apparently someone like saw me wiped out on the side of the road and called the cops and then they're like woke up and and then you know I ended up not having a concussion just broke my jaw in two places but you know certainly could have been a A different way
0: wow baby i'm really happy you're all right (laughs) damn um do you feel like any of those experiences impacted you in the way people describe near-death experiences impacting them such as like euphoric um like a rebirth of euphoric feelings gratefulness for being alive changing course in life to like I don't know, sometimes people change their course in life after a near-death experience. Did you have any epiphanies or feel like you needed to, like, profusely settle any, like, regrets or make apologies and amends after your near-death experiences?
1: Um... Not really. I mean, I was got my, that concussion. I was in eighth grade. And then the appendix thing, I was 17. And then the bicycle thing, I was in my mid-20s. Um, but I've had other times in life where there's been some events where it's been more like, like, all right, I'm like almost like, yeah, I gotta make sure I just live my life the like just don't do stupid things anymore just do all the the good things but those experiences for whatever reason it didn't make me have a profound sense of that
0: mhm did um anybody's death affect you in any sort of big way that you want to share about
1: anybody else's.
0: yeah so like your own near death like mm-hmm. again happy that you're here you saw some death stars um when others died in your life did you feel any of those things like change of course you know change course more ambitious more like i don't know like euphoric feelings of gratefulness for being alive needs to make amends like when somebody else in your life had died or have you had a death impact you in a big way
1: um yes but first I just want to share this sort of comedy of watching cartoons when I was younger and when the cartoon characters would get hit over the head and then those stars would circle around their head (laughs) It's just, it's not, of course, it's not literally like that in real life, but it's just funny that you actually, like, you know, I didn't think that that was real until I actually saw stars myself, but, um, yeah, so I think, uh, uh, let's see here, so... I watched one of my grandpas have a heart attack in front of me when I was four years old. In fact, that's my first memory in life. Um, And so I think that that had an impact. I think uh, there's a number of impacts probably. Well, there's some impacts that's hard to say whether it was. I can just speculate. But, like, I remember very vividly everything that was going on, and I even remember, like... um, As it was happening, he just sort of, like, keeled his head over and then had drool coming out of his mouth. And so, like, he must have had a heart attack then and, like, died. And then, like, my grandma and my grandpa were babysitting me. So my grandma, you know, his uh, wife, um, I can remember, like, realizing that she was in denial because she kept like like trying to like slap him to wake him up and make him drink water and stuff like this and so um so yes I mean it's profound for me to think back on that experience in my state of consciousness now and think about like oh that's interesting like I was so aware as a four-year-old about these type of dynamics like I wouldn't necessarily think that a four-year-old could be that internally insightful and then you know like the ambulance came and they told me to go into the other room and i remember thinking like oh they think like (laughs) i already seen everything what are you trying to shield me from now um but uh but anyway that's one um i don't know do you want to go back and forth or um ask some more questions
0: well i have like some reflections the last death that i recall being present for was actually your daddy's. i was the only one in the room besides the nurse that um no i don't know if the nurse was in there no i guess like the so anyways I was present when your father died. Your Wait, so you were the,
1: died. The only one.
0: I feel like a nurse was coming in. Right, and it's, out, it's half, happening. And then there's a quick alarm when. So we were in the hospital. Yeah. There's there was a very quick alarm when his vitals started like, crashing. But I didn't know your daddyo very well. I actually didn't know him before he had his stroke, and so I felt. If it's okay to say i felt like due to our lack of intimacy he felt like how i interpreted it which may not be my place but i felt like he, our lack of intimacy made him comfortable to pass and i don't think that he wanted to die with everybody in the room because it was this really synchronistic moment when every family member was out of the room just momentarily or for a short time like everybody was around the hospital gathered around him but there just happened to be this time where I was there and everybody else was in a separate place outside of the room and um he died during that moment and if it's okay with you, I just perceived that as, um, it just really felt for me that we didn't have much intimacy and kind of like he didn't, he just, he wanted to go easy on you guys or something and not die in front of you or something like that. That's how I interpreted it. Um, but you know, in terms of transformative near-death experiences and having death me it's been really present in my life in the last seven to eight years Um, I have some experiences you know being younger and being present in situations of grandparents dying Um, but I think my own near-death experience and then I also which was tumbling down a mountain in a car which what i lived and i didn't have injuries but i experienced the things that people say you do after a near-death experience so i interpreted that as a near-death experience and um our car was saved by three trees so like nature i feel like saved my ass (laughs) if those trees wouldn't have been there i would have been dropped in a river at night in freezing weather and anyways that was a poignant experience for me but I think the most influential inspiring biggest thing to happen in my life was literally having another human being die within my body and experiencing what that was like and that was with my son So experiencing the death of another inside of my living body was a total trip. It was excruciating, it was painful. But overall, it was this really beautiful thing that happened in my life. And I definitely had all the things. The, you know, deep awareness of our finite existence here on earth and getting really serious with myself about what I was going to do with my time here, who I wanted to be as a person, um, what my values are, like all of that type of stuff. So I think that was the most influential death situation in my life. Um, Do you mind if I share some reflections and get your take? So I was thinking, knowing that this topic was coming up, um. Well, could you give me a quick yes, no, no answer on like, do you fear your own death?
1: <laughs> Why? Well, That's a yes, no answer, but
0: it's dynamic. <laughs> so, okay, well, I might have to ask you that question. Okay, do you fear? Your yep. own death. I'm
1: happy to revisit it later if you no, have
0: no, another no, no, sequence. No. I need to know this answer. Okay.
1: So. Um, but I am
0: going um, to warn you, it's kind of like a prefaced question so that I can share my own reflection yeah, about the question.
1: That's fine. Okay. Um, so I think that I reflect on this question a lot. Um, I think I have less fear than the average person, for sure. But then I get really confused about what the difference is between fearing my own death or avoiding my own death. Like, for example, you know, I... It's like, I could just play a game of Frogger with the cars on the road every day, like, and try to, like, run out and just barely get missed by the car... And eventually, of course, I would die if I did that, uh, you know, every day, you know, or like, you know, I, I, if I see like a bear in the forest, instead of just like, you know, carrying on, I could like charge at it or something. It's like, if the fact that I don't do that, does that mean like, I'm afraid of the bear or like, I'm afraid of getting hit by a car, you know, if I don't run into a car. And so I don't really, you know, it's, it gets confusing in that way. Um, But I think, like, uh, another angle of it is, you know, I enjoy living. And so naturally, I know the things that would more likely cause me death. Of course, you can't, like, predict it totally. But, like, just, like, the two examples I gave. Like, obviously, I'm not, like, purposely trying to die. And I am purposely trying to avoid death. In so much that I enjoy life and I don't want to like die, like what I would consider in a meaningless way. Um, And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it just, yeah, it makes me wonder like, what is really being afraid of death? And what it, and then like, I guess more precisely, what's the difference between fearing death and. Reasonably trying to avoid death.
0: Do you fear people that you love their deaths? Or what's your, maybe fear, what's your relationship?
1: No, it's fine. Fear is a good word, okay. even though it's hard to define. Fear it's a good and word. death
0: just seem to like be kind of together. There's a lot of other things you can feel towards death, but fearfulness is yeah well Something that I, I, I think guess it's like I'm more so exploring through this specific question
1: yeah I think it's also dynamic with others so i i can I can tell you literally like that sometimes i have like a, like all of a sudden a torturous scenario will run through my brain of like someone I love dying like in some way getting hit by a car or having some illness or whatever it's not too like I don't like it's not like specific like I'm afraid of someone dying in a particular way usually it's like sort of random and I'll have like a visual and the visual is disturbing and so again it's like I when I think of that visual I can get sad or worked up and I don't want that type of a thing to happen um but then like fearful it's like yeah again it's like if i what's the difference between me not wanting my loved ones to die or fearing their death um and then like you know yeah like what's the difference between trying to prevent them from dying like like what's a reasonable amount it's like i guess that's where like the line of fear sometimes gets defined but it might be subjective like there's a reasonable amount of avoidance or if it's another person like pr- trying to prevent them from dying and then like once you cross over that line then maybe it's like more fearful like, you know, like if for example like if I just like saw a picture of a snake and then like I got, I just like curled under a pillow and was like really afraid or even like if I just saw any random snake slithering you know, 30 feet from me it's like you know if i like you know what reaction is fear and what reaction is like sort of reasonable avoidance like if i if i like started screaming and running away from it for like a mile down the road maybe that would be more fear but like if i if i just like sort of pause and see what it's doing and if it starts like quickly coming towards me if i like run away from it like and like you know yeah is that fear and so anyway that's some more ideas about that
0: Mm -hmm. so if you were to write on a scale of one to ten ten being the most fear scale of one to ten how much fear do you have about your own death
1: I guess it's still, I still need to define what's the difference between fear and just me uh, reasonably avoiding death.
0: Okay. Um, So, part of the reason why I asked that question is I was (sighs) reflecting about my own fear. (coughs) And I feel like from a pretty early age, I accepted my mortality but I'm a very like relational person Gemini through and through and I was realizing that currently so my fear of other people dying has always been more forward in the front ground than my own death I have been more fearful of people I love dying. But I realized that I have less fear and anxiety and worry when I am in more relationships that have secure attachment. The times where fear of death of people I loved overrode my systems a lot like whether I'd have a panic attack or just really worry about it or get sometimes even like I've had chapters in my life where I'd almost get kind of like obsessive about it like that person was supposed to be home like a half hour ago did they die where are they that kind of thing um but I realized that a lot of times it my fear of others dying was more prevalent and more consuming when I was in less like insecure attachment relationships whether it's friends family or significant others um but with like right now I'm in a lot of secure attachment with my loved ones I have less fear about my own death and their dying, them dying. Do you have any like insight on the relation of that? I was thinking like in insecure or like more tumultuous attachments for myself, death um, seems more worrisome or anxiety um, ridden because there's unresolve or there's some sort of like just lack of security in the relationship but with secure attachment I don't feel that as much uh like so let's say our lovership I we don't do anything shitty to each other we don't lie to each other we haven't betrayed each other we love each other and we've lived a really happy five years together if you die that will help me in my grief <laughs> if i die that should help you in your grief but let's say we spent the last five years with a more insecure attachment more say betrayal or lies or dramas and traumas with one another then like a sudden death or heart, like a death may be more ridden with like re you know like anger resentment um lack of uh resolution with one another are you following
1: yeah well i think we talked about this once before actually um really yeah yeah you you brought this up before Um, (laughs) our podcast no oh okay
0: just with you okay well then the reflection is coming full circle again and i realized it again
1: yeah (laughs) um and uh i think like yeah so like there's a couple things one is is, this is like you might be generally more anxious in a um in like a less secure relationship. Wait, let me make sure I got this right first. So you're feeling like you have a, a less of a fear of death of your loved ones in a more secure relationship. And, okay, yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> so, yeah, you might be generally more anxious in general about the relationship and that like general increase in anxiousness is going to amplify any feeling in that realm and so like one of the feelings would be like you know oh like where is this person they're not communicating again well or whatever like are they dead or Mm -hmm. um and so uh so I think that's one thing another thing could be if you're in I guess a more secure relationship or a relationship where there's more communication like there's something some I think one of the reasons that we feel fear death or uncomfortable with death is sometimes has to do with closure mm-hmm. the more you're solid in your relationship it's like the less that I mean you know it's a dynamic of course like you know and it's like there's always more to life but like In general, it's like you're going to have if the more you talk to someone and the better the relationship is, the less that you're going to be if they died like, oh, I wish I could have told them this. Because if you're in a good communicative relationship, you know, there might be some stuff that you never really get to say in exactly the way you want to say it, but a higher percentage of stuff you probably are going to feel like you, you were able to convey to them like Mm -hmm. oh if they only just knew yeah this or that but probably Mm -hmm. if you're in a good relationship they mostly do know most of that stuff um like
0: i could picture spending time with your dead body and be like (laughs) you knew that i loved you and i was happy with you this is gonna suck but i'm gonna get through it but, like, I know before I lay you to rest for whatever your death plans are, which we could talk about, um, I could have peace and be, like, I know. I didn't have, like, you know, unresolved. Like, oh, man, he... I loved him, but I made him feel like I thought he was such an asshole there. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. But yeah. I forgot to tell him or show the the love. But with this i want to tell i want to say something to you and it's a stolen line from outlander nice okay i got i have been in outlander realm i'm done now with the seasons i've binged for like aries season like for a whole month i was in outlander realm but anyways um in one of the episodes the lovers so jamie and claire are the lovers You don't know these people. But they became my really good friends. (laughs) So, um, they have this just epic love story. And they risk dying, both of them, multiple times. And Jamie says to Claire this line, and I'm going to say this to you. Lover. I mean, I'm going to, like, adapt it, though. Okay, Lover, if I die and my last words to you are not I love you, it's only because I didn't have the time.
1: Nice. So. And also because, you know, most people don't get to die in a way that they know they're about to die. Like, for example, if... I wish I could think of a less, slightly less gruesome example. It's not that gruesome. But like, let's say that two cars crashed and you were in between them Mm -hmm. and you're completely crushed. And the EMTs come and say, listen, we could remove you from there. But it's like that thing, like if you get stabbed with a knife, as soon as you remove it, like you're going to die quicker from the loss of blood. Mm -hmm. So it's like the type of thing where like as soon as we remove you from there, like it's sort of like, pressing you and keeping blood or whatever it is as soon as we remove you you're gonna die quickly and so like you know okay i got three minutes left i can just call someone and empty out my full feelings in exactly the sequence i want to say it but like most of the time you aren't given like okay you have three days you know even if you get like a cancer diagnosis and the doctor's like you got two months to live you can get that stuff out, but also you might then live for five years. Like, you don't know, like, like the only time you can, like, definitely time it so I love you are the last words. It's like you, like, know. okay, I got three minutes left. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'll just say I love you, and then I'll just close my eyes and just rest until I die Mm -hmm. and hopefully it'll be right that I only have a few minutes left otherwise then like five minutes later I'll open my eyes up and be like well I guess I didn't die and then you die a second later so then it's not I love you that you said last
0: yeah okay I have some things from what you said okay just so excited about this topic that i don't want to miss certain points but really quick midwife like death midwives and doulas they do this beautiful sacred work with families and the dying not to like give the three minutes but to allow for some conscious closure in the situations of illness and knowing that you're at the at death store um which I think is really awesome and inspiring and it might be part of my death plan. I know a really awesome death worker and I don't know if she would do it, but in my death plan I might write down her name and like her email and maybe she could be a resource if i'm incapacitated at all where i'm like on the line maybe you could invite her in to cross me over or if i already die maybe you could like still invite her to cross me over because i think like ceremonial ritual to cross people over is a very cool ritual okay that was a tangent side note However, I do think, still within this realm, you may not have your last three minutes. Something that we do is we, you know, I feel like I live with death every day. It's been great um, talking to our kids about death. I have a mortality prayer that I've said um, to Dahana since she was in the womb. And now it's really cool she can recite some of it. And it's just a prayer or a blessing or whatever that we... A poem that we say before we go to sleep. Which is like a prayer of gratitude. And for me, it represents just a recognition of my mortality every day before I lay my head to rest. It's just about like being in the moment, loving here. Like now. Um and so yeah maybe we don't get like that three minutes maybe we don't know when we're gonna go but I do think living with our death in it like alongside our living because we're all dying as we're living allows us to have maybe more closure in our living so we have it in our dying And then I think also regularly talking about one another regarding death. So one thing that helps me, if there's like that, you know, that feeling that rushes over when you think about your child dying or your significant other dying, I think one thing that can help is to have like a plan or an idea of what you would do if that person died and talk about it so I've talked to you I don't think I'd like really want to go into details but like if um specifically for me it was I think like a moment where I just loved I was like loving Dahana so much where I was like oh my gosh if you ever died or when you die and I'm still living what on earth would I do And I didn't hold those feelings inside. I came and talked to you about it. And we formed, like, a semi, like, not formal plan. But, like, we discussed how would we honor that together as a family. And I think that that helps. Or more logistically, last week, you and I had a meeting to make sure that I had access to certain things because I just need access to these things um but it was also something causing me anxiety like if you die I may not have access to certain resources for me and the kids (laughs) due to some like silly logistic thing that we haven't worked out so let's sit down and work together for an hour to get those logistics sorted out so those are like I think regular like some form of regularity and planning for death not avoiding it and discussing it with one another either in a logistical way or a spiritual way is an important
1: yeah death planning yeah it's interesting I mean A lot of people do it, but I think what we're aiming to do is something even a bit more conscious. Like, you know, people get life insurance policies and things like this. Um, So one thing I wanted to connect before, from what you were saying before um, as well, uh, is the difference between your anxiety about death of your partners in the past and now so another factor could be that you've simply grown in your consciousness and perhaps i don't i guess there's a different way to phrase it but like you're not as uh codependent as you were in the past um You know, I mean, yeah. There's an interesting balance because it's like you know, you. It's like if someone didn't care if another person died at all. That seems like something's (laughs) not good there. But yeah, yeah. it's not right. But then you know, it's like on how much anxiety should you have? And so anyway, I was just gonna, I was mentioning that as another possible factor at play as well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then, um,
0: yeah, that in codependency, like.
1: Not that it's like black or white or like you're either codependent or you're not. Like, mm-hmm. It's like a spectrum probably. But you've probably like sort of uh, increased your score on the on the codependency spectrum uh, in a certain way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's or, true. Or decreased it depending on how you want to look at it. Um, I've and-
0: worked through some codependency stuff for sure thank you for
1: that insight so it's like you can be i guess it's like yeah so like you can be aware that a person is not communicating and that you know that could mean that they're in trouble but at the same time if that's the dynamic that's going on in the relationship it's sort of like how much are you going to let that negatively affect your inner life and even your outer life i guess um and uh you want to say something
0: well yeah i think that that is true um like healthier relations like relationship boundaries and uh less codependency is present i think another thing tied into that is um you know i think it's not just death but like say death of a relationship like You know, I don't obsess about whether you want, like, you're going to stay or go. That's kind of wrapped up in my past and codependency. Like, no, like, we stay together. Like, I think that's also tied up with monogamy as well. Um, And then I think I also, like, I like you here. I want you to be here. I want you to be live here. But I also recognize what's within my control and what's not. And I want you to be as free as possible. And I guess death, depending on how you look at it, might actually be the ultimate freedom move at the end of life. <laughs> so I could reframe that in like, whoa, I like honor his freedom and autonomy so much. Now he's like really fucking free. <laughs> um, but the other thing is like, I don't think, you know, if we're reflecting about my growth, I think I I just have learned a lot around change, not fearing it as much anymore. And really building in like inner fortitude around, I think dealing with Natchez's death, my son, I think going through that was the hardest, most excruciating thing. And I got through it. And I'm proud of the way I got through it. And so I think, that's where I'm grateful for that experience of like I got through that that was the hardest shit ever (laughs) so I know that it's within me now I have like strength and courage and inner fortitude built where it's like I'd rather not go through your death or another child dying or somebody I really love dying like that sucks it's not easy you just like spend a lot of time learning how to live again But I have more, um, peace with, well, I know that I can get through it. I'd rather not, but I can fucking do it if I have to. (laughs) So I'm grateful for that. Um. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I have an absurd thing, which I'm not sure (laughs) if it's... too inappropriate or not but you were talking about um i forget the death doulas earlier and i forget exactly what spurred the idea on in me but like you know it's like so like there's this idea of like uh like sometimes as friends we would play this game like um you know if if i died like what do you want me to do with your body or type of thing Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, there's only, like, a certain number of options after a while. Like, throw me into the ocean or cremate me or um, cremate me and then flush me down the first toilet you see unceremoniously. <laughs> um, uh, but then, like, another one that just... It's like... You know, so, like, there's this idea of, like... Uh, well, like, my dad, for instance. He... um more unique than usual. Like sometimes, you know, they have this term like, you know, someone, someone's in a coma or like they're a vegetable or their brain doesn't work anymore. And so they, they can be sort of kept alive on a respirator for an extended period of time. But then people like decide whether they want to shut off certain types of life support or not. So my dad had an extra wrinkle in that because he literally had... Um, previous to his stroke he got he got this really uh I guess unique procedure at the time of getting it it was only hundreds of people who got it and like he joked he was kind of like Iron Man but basically they would they put like a metal pump attached to his heart and then he had literally batteries that were operating it that he had to carry around at all times during the day and so typically you know so like when he was getting towards the end of the life and well we had to decide (laughs) whether ultimately we want to shut those batteries off because it would have just kept pumping his heart you know possibly years not you don't even know how long um and so uh And so, yeah, it's just sort of, uh, interesting to think about, like, if you are in a state where you're incapacitated and there seems to be no hope that you'll recover, it's like in which way do you want to sort of, I guess, be put down. And so what I'm about to say, it's like, I'll preface it, just, it's not as crazy, um, because it, it's done to animals in this way so an animal's like in pain like gets caught up or something and then like you just shoot the animal like mm-hmm. and kill it and so I was thinking like it would be somewhat comical if like I was like done for I was like my brain was toast and like and like you know and not just like any like uh, like just like a revolver or something like if you just like took a shotgun and just like blew me away
0: you would do that to me you would like, no, i would
1: never uh actually no i would never make someone um do that but i'm
0: just like kidding like in the jokey way like that like th- you know like i'm like i would have peace i have a lot of acceptance around death in my life now but like I could see us at our next like death planning session. You're like, okay, baby. Here's my, here's my wish, and I'd be like, oh man, <laughs> come on. Like, that, there's no peace <laughs> in that.
1: No, nah, I wouldn't make it. It's because the other thing is like once I'm a goner, it's like. Uh, uh, I to You're hungry.
0: Hey D. <laughs> Well, I guess that's where we're gonna end it. We have uh, it's a weird place to end it, but it's okay. I love it when you make it weird. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Lovers' Life. Um, we love you guys, but we love each other more.
1: And little Dehana just woke up and is hungry now, so we're gonna get going and um, live life and <laughs> <laughs> uh understand death or something like that
0: okay bye peace <laughs>